First, First Thessalonians, we're going to be reading one of Paul's letters. First Thessalonians chapter 4, we're going to, be, going to be reading from there. You know, over um, the next couple of weeks, we're going to have a look at uh, a particular topic. We're going to be studying um, eschatology. Uh, eschatology, what it is, is a study on the last things or the last events. Uh, you see, because one of my jobs or one of my job roles uh, as a pastor or preacher of the gospel is to prepare people for the end. Um, I hope that after ministry, after time is gone, however long my ministry will be, I hope that the legacy of my ministry was that I prepared people to meet Jesus Christ. Because as we go through life, uh, we can't deny, listen, this world is a cruel place. No one makes out of it alive. Um, 100% of people that come in here uh, die. And so we have to, that's guaranteed, that's guaranteed. They say the only things, two things are guaranteed in life is death and taxes. <laughs> I'm not going to prepare you for taxes, that's what you guys saw that out. But I want to prepare you because one day you're going to stand before a holy and righteous God and have to account for everything we've done. So the next couple of weeks we're going to study um, eschatology um, and it's a, very, it's a very, very important doctrine and, and very important doctrines are always Christ-centered. Uh, we can have doctrines on many different things but the very, very important ones are Christ-centered and this is Christ-centered. It's a look at what Christ did but it's also a look at what Christ is going to do. When we look back at what Christ did, we understand it was the great rescue mission. When he came in, God sent his son, the Bible says. He came in on his great rescue mission to come and take the sins of the world, the sins of you and me on his shoulders. Die a sinner's death, but then raise up and conquer death. That was the rescue mission. That is fantastic. But also, we have to look forward to what he's going to do. And that is his second coming. And we're going to look at that in a sermon of entitled, uh, In the Twinkling of an Eye, Unwrapping the Rapture. Um, come on now. I read a story of a man, um, his name was Edgar, Edgar Weisenhardt. He was a former NASA rocket engineer. And he too became interested in eschatology. He became interested in the last things, the last days. And um, uh, um, the, the article said that he studied the Bible on this subject for 15 years. 15 years of study going through scripture. What does it say in the Old Testament that points towards it? What does it say in the New Testament? What does the history book say around the people at that time and the culture? He studied it for 15 years. And after 15 years, he published a book. And the title of the book was 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Be in 1988. <laughs> now, he, now if, you, if you're like me, you think, mm, something don't quite add up there, right? He, he sent thousands of copies of that book, thousands free. He sold millions of the, uh, copies of the book. Obviously, it was before 1988 when he was doing that, selling it and so on. Well, 1988 came and went. 1989, he wrote another book saying he miscalculated. He said, it's actually 1989. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. Why he, that, 1989 came and went. He went again, 1993. And by that time, people started listening to him. 
They said, listen, we're not listening to you. You've said this once before. Listen, he's right about one thing. Jesus Christ is coming back. Can you say amen in this place? But 15 years of Bible study and you miss Matthew 24, 36 when it says, but of that day and that hour, no one knows. I could have saved you 15 years of study right there. Not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. He's right about Jesus Christ is coming back. But don't let nobody fool you with all these things. Like, listen, it's going to be this day. It's going to be here. We're going to be doing this. Get, listen, listen, you should be getting ready, but you don't know the day or the hour. And I want to study this here. We're going to look at this in 1 Thessalonians. And I'm going to unpack this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 16. The Bible says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. I want to look firstly at what is the rapture. You see, the word of God frequently mentions or references the second coming of Christ. And anything that is repeated in the word of God has a primary importance. Anything that's constantly mentioned and constantly spoken about, that is very, very important to God. And he puts it, he weaves it in throughout his word. And commentators agree that in the New Testament alone, the second coming of Christ is mentioned over 300 times. Dare I say, God wants us to be ready for his second coming. And we have to understand that this is to motivate us to a type of living so we can be ready, we can be unhindered, we cannot be too concerned with the world that we're living in today. The Bible describes us as foreigners in this land or sojourners. And in other words, this is not our final destination. We're heading somewhere. And sometimes we can live our life, you know, we go to sleep, we wake up, we go to sleep, we wake up. For a number of years, we can think that this is all there is. But no, God has put it into his word so that he can remember, we cannot forget that, don't remember, he is coming back. Don't forget, he is coming back for his church. I want to look at this event today and study it a little bit today because Christ's coming is a literal event it's not to be taken figuratively. It's not to be think of something we can assume of or, or when we die, that's what it means. No, it is a literal event. Prophecy concerning his first coming was gloriously fulfilled. He came, was born to a virgin as it was prophesied. He came, uh, um, uh, as uh, he took on frail humanity. He was a literal person that was fully uh, uh, glorified. And so too will his second prophecy come. It will be fulfilled. He will come again literally this is not to be taken as some sort of imagination or this is some sort of idea no Jesus Christ will come back literally look at John 14 verse number two Bible says I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again that's what Jesus is saying I'll come again and receive you to myself that where I am there you may be also 
Find it interesting when Jesus Christ uh, uh, ascended to heaven after he resurrected from the dead and the disciples saw him as they were talking, they saw him go up literally. And the Bible says disciples were just standing there looking up, their mouth probably wide open. In the book of Acts, we see the response here in Acts chapter 1, verse number 11. It says, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into the heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you in heaven will so come in like manner as you see him go into heaven. Just as you see him go up, he's coming back down. This is a literal event. This is something we should be looking forward to, something we should be anticipating, not to be a figure of speech or something in our imagination. No, we should be ready to literally see Jesus Christ come. And when I look at this story, and when I think about this study, I get excited because this is my favourite part of eschatology, the talk about when Jesus Christ returns. I'd love to imagine what that day would be like what I would be doing, where I would be. I pray I might be stood behind a pulpit just like this, preaching, telling people about the love of Jesus Christ. And just before he comes, people respond to the gospel and say, I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. And as they do that, bang, Jesus Christ comes back. Can you imagine? Can you understand what type of euphoria that would be when we say just we've been talking and here he is. I can't wait for that event. I can't wait for that day. So what is the rapture? Dare I say, people under the sound of my voice, you're familiar. This is not a new word to you when I say the rapture. But some of you may, in the first time you're hearing the word rapture, the word we understand for some of you Bible scholars, you know that the word rapture doesn't actually appear in Scripture. But it comes from the, the Latin uh, when there's in the fourth century Latin translation of the Bible, they call it the Latin uh, Vulgate. Uh, the Bible uses, or that translation uses the word raturus, which is where we get the word rapture from. And it literally means to be caught up. And as we see in verse number 17 of our text, it says, we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. And that verb, it's a meaning in scripture. It can mean to seize or to carry off, to carry off, to capture, literally by force. And it's literally by a force that cannot be resisted. So this is not a thing you can say, listen, one second, Jesus, let me just tie my shoelaces. Or one second, let me just put this down. No, it's, you're gone. It's capture. And you, and you can just imagine the drama. You can imagine what that would be like. And the description, that is, the description sorry, that's given in Scripture is not of one of a slow process or a slow kind of moving. It is like a swoop in a twinkling of an eye, the Bible says. Look at 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 51. The Bible says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we should all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Paul describes this in plain language. This isn't something that he's using analogies for, or maybe this means that, or uh, maybe we can use this as a symbol. No, he's using plain language that in a moment, in a blink of an eye, Jesus Christ will return for his church and people will be changed. We're going to leave this corruptible body and exchange it for incorruption. I can't wait to move out of this body and move into what God has been preparing me for me for thousands of years. I can't wait 
wait till God comes and wipes the tears of everybody. I can't wait till we get rid of all these colds and diseases and knee pains, back pains, all sorts of mind pains. I can't wait till we go and leave this corruptible body and go for incorruptions. Who's with me in this place this afternoon? Paul is not using figurative speech. He's saying this is going to happen in a blink of an eye. Think of how dramatic it will be. And it's all of a sudden. Oh, how things can change in an instant, all of a sudden. And as you look through the Bible, you see that's how God sometimes functions. All of a sudden, you can be working one day and all of a sudden things change. Like the day of Pentecost, they was praying up there in the upper room. And the Bible says all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit came like a mighty rushing wind. And from that day, everything changed. Listen, my God is a God of all of a sudden. You could be living a certain life, going through certain issues. But then all of a sudden, God just flips it upside down and completely changes it. He has the power to move all of a sudden you could be in pain like the bible says for the woman for 12 years she reached out and touched the hem of Jesus' garment and all of a sudden everything changed you could be here tonight going through issues saying lord when is this going to change but all of a sudden he can change and transform your life in a twinkle in a blink of an eye god is not restrained his arm is not lax that he can't reach out and change things all of a sudden But the thing about all of a sudden is that can also be a negative thing as well. Because like I said, this life is somewhat mundane. You know, we get used to getting up, go to sleep, going to work, doing this, doing that. And we think that's how it's going to be. But then all of a sudden, things can change. My cousin, he told me he was running for a bus. How many has run for a bus before? Come on now. Yeah, Yeah, I... I had a tactic in school. When I run for a bus, I run in front of the bus. So it can't, it's either going to run me over or it's going to have to wait for me. One of the two, right? But, but it's a fairly normal thing. You run for the bus. My cousin said he was running for the bus and he said it felt like someone shot him in the leg. Pow! His hamstring, gone. Snapped. Hamstring or Achilles, one of the two. One of the, it was bad. My brother, he was training. Actually, he wasn't even training. He was doing the warm-up before the training. So he hadn't even got into full training. He was just warming up, just warming up, doing some shuttle runs. And he said, pow. So I was like, who kicked me? Who kicked me? And no one's around him. Same thing. Hamstring or Achilles. One of the two. Which is it? Hamstring or Achilles? Which one is it? One of, could be both of those. Snapped. Pastor Denzel, my friend in Stoke. He was playing football. The guy's a fit young man. Been playing football for years. Very good, very strong. He was going, made one lunge and bang. All of us, and the thing is, the reason why I tell those stories of all those injuries is because they all said the same thing. They said it was all of a sudden. There was no warning. There was nothing to say, okay, you know, you should calm down now. You're going to have some issues. No, it was all of a sudden. And when things change all of a sudden, listen, you realize how important it is to take care of yourself. They haven't struggled. They're struggling to walk now. Now they're thinking, you know, when I walk, I need to take care of myself. But how many of the damage has been done? And that's why I say, you know, God can change things all of a sudden, but it also has a negative uh, spin on it also. Look at Matthew 24, when Jesus is talking about the end times. Verse number 37, the Bible says, But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating, they were drinking, 
They were marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. In other words, this will happen all of a sudden. You'll be going about your normal day, doing what you got to do, shopping, going eating, going do this, and all of a sudden, look at verse number 40 of the same chapter. It says, then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other will be left. This is a picture now of Jesus coming back for people who are ready. This is a picture of Jesus coming down, sweeping down and pulling people out and catching people out for people that are ready. The rapture is a literal event in time, but it will have no prior indication or warning when Christ will come back for his church. It is for people that are ready. And that last verse I read in, in, in verse number 40, uh, where it's talking about the men will be in the field or the women be in the field. Uh, listen, that shows us that some people will not be ready for this event. Some people will be going about their days thinking, yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. How many people have said that? I'll see you tomorrow? I'll see you next week. Dare I say you guys have got plans for the next couple of weeks. There's some people going to be planning their life as normal, going through, and some people will be taken, some people will not be. That should send a chill down your spine because this is a real event that could happen at any moment. And as we read our scripture in 1 Thessalonians, Paul is uh, painting a picture for us. And I want to have a look at that picture so we can understand uh, the type of things that we would see or experience on that day. He paints a picture of what we can experience on that glorious day. And there's three main elements. One is sound. One is clouds. And the other is meeting. So let's deal with sound first of all. Uh, because this event is not going to be a silent event. <laughs> this event is not going to be one of the secret things that you're going to miss or, or no one's going to be talking about. Uh, it's going to be one of these events that is going to be a national, uh, an international event that everyone in the world will know what's happened. Uh, everyone will experience something. Look at verse number 16 of our text. The Bible says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. Three significant sounds here, the shout, the voice, and the trumpet. And you see the shout, the first one there, the first word is the Greek word used, and it's the same word used in Greek to communicate a captain over a ship or a commander over his army. So when the Bible says that Jesus, the Lord himself, is going to come with a shout, and the word used there is saying he's going to come with some authority. He's going to come with a command. He's going to come and then things will start moving as he comes to shout. It's the same word or the same picture you get as a man over his army that shouts the commands. And when I thought about this, I thought back to the, the king's coronation that happened recently. You know, they said when, they, uh, uh, when he got uh, ordained or confirmed, sorry, he, he went into the golden coach um, and they had a parade all the way back to Buckingham, Buckingham Palace that was the largest military parade in the last 70 years. It said over 40, uh, sorry, 4,000 uh, uh, military men and women were there marching. And, and I watched that. I watched that. It was, it was good to see people standing there in formation. Um, but what I found interesting is that um, it was led by a, a man named Major Lieutenant Colonel James Shaw. Come on now. I had to look at that list. 
And he was there, stood before them, and he was the one to lead. And what I found fascinating is that no one moved an inch until he shouted his command. No one moved, and they had to move in tandem. They had to move uh, 108 paces per minute, and they had to move exactly at the same time. And it all started when he gave his command. And that's the picture. When they give their commands, a, a huge shout, make sure everybody hear. That's the picture I get uh, that, that Paul is talking about when it says, the Lord himself will descend from heaven and command his army. That's who we see coming down. Jesus Christ coming um, with a large shout. The next thing we see here is the voice. The Bible says the voice of an archangel. And that word voice uh, can also be translated to the sound. So it's not necessarily like a, a voice of a specific archangel. Uh, it's talking about the sound of archangels. So that shows uh, that Jesus is coming uh, with, with prominent angels. He has an entourage with him. Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, is coming with an entire entourage with him. And I'm reminded of the time of when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, when they come to arrest Jesus Christ, uh, and they come with clubs and they try to seize him. Peter comes, takes out his sword, chops off his, chops off an ear. Somebody says, Jesus says, put your sword away. And he says these words, do you think I cannot pray to my Father and he will provide me with 12 legions of angels? Jesus has an entourage. And the last thing mentioned here is the trumpet. And see, the trumpet gives us an imagery of a military response or a signal or an alarm. And we see through Scripture that the trumpet is used when armies go out into battle or when people need to be alarmed. If we look at Zechariah 9 and verse number 14, the Bible says, Then the Lord will be seen over them and his arrow will go forth like lightning. The Lord God will blow the trumpet and go with whirlwinds from the south. We look at prophet Joel, Joel 2 and verse number 1. The Bible says, blow the trumpet in Zion and sound the alarm. In my holy mountain, let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. The day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. And you know, when this day comes, there'll be a mighty ruckus. <laughs> when this day comes, I've tried to um, imagine what that would sound like. And I can only imagine there'll be two responses. There'll be total and utter jubilation at this is the day we have been waiting for. And then there'll be total pain and despair to say, oh Lord, this day is actually real. And I've said it many times before. I don't believe people are going to be confused. I don't believe people are going to wonder, hey, what's going on here? I believe people are going to know exactly what time it is. Oh, that day. Can you imagine? When you hear that, you hear the shout of God, you hear the voice of the archangels, the trumpet of God, the sound. The next part we, we looked at in the, in the picture that Paul is painting on, it says the clouds. You see in verse number 17, the Bible says, Then we who are alive remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Now, this could be literally the clouds we're going through because we've been caught up in the air, literally going to be in the clouds uh, with Jesus as we meet. That, I mean, that's fantastic enough. Um, but when we look through Scripture and we see Old Testament, um, we understand that the glorious presence of God is usually demonstrated by clouds. As in the cloud that led the children of Israel uh, in the wilderness by day. 
The cloud that filled Solomon's temple when he came and said, this is going to be my house. Or the cloud that Daniel spoke about when the Son of Man is going to come riding on him. So when we talk about clouds, we're talking about the awesome, glorious, wonderful presence of God himself. So when we come, we're going to hear that trump of God. We're going to meet Jesus in the air and we're going to be surrounded by the presence of God. It will be a feeling like we've never experienced before. We're going to see, hear, smell, touch. We're going to experience all that God has for us when he comes in a twinkling of an eye. It's the sound, it's the clouds. And probably my favorite part here, and I want to kind of finish off with this part, it's the meeting. Bible says we're going to meet the Lord in the air. We're going to meet the Lord. This is the fulfillment of glory. When we finally meet, when we finally get to meet Jesus, the one whom we've been faithfully serving all this time, the one who we've got to understand and got to know through his word, we're going to meet him. I can't remember the name of the song, uh, but there's a song that talks about when I meet Jesus, how will I respond? Sorry? I can only imagine. God bless you. I think I knew someone would know that. I can only imagine. I, I, I can't remember what I heard. I think I was driving. I was like, yeah, what, what would I do when I meet Jesus? Could I? I, I personally think I won't even have the words to say anything. You're going to be just there in awe. Of life. And then all the gratitude, you're thinking all of the things that you've done. Listen, we're some sinful people. We don't deserve to be uh, even in his presence. Uh, you're going to think, God, uh, you wiped away all of that. Uh, you gave me a new uh, uh, chance. You, you made me new. You're just going to be thinking about all that. Uh, there'll be tears. Uh, then there'll be tears of joy. Then there'll be, it'll just be phenomenal. I can't wait till we actually meet face to face. We're going to meet right there. And there's many things you can debate about and question. And, and there's even many commentators who believe uh, the rapture is going to be, uh, you know, there's, there's different things people believe. They think the rapture is going to be after. Some people think it's before. Some people think it's uh, right in the great tribulation, after the tribulation. Many people can debate all these type of things. They debate what heaven's going to be like. All, all these things you can talk about. But one thing you cannot debate, one thing I know for certain, our Bible says, uh, we can meet him in the air and it says, and thus we shall always be with the Lord if I'm honest I'm not too fussed about the location some people say okay we're going to come down back to earth for a thousand and do this uh, some people say we're going to be in heaven some people, I'm not too fussed about the location I just thank God that I'm going to be with the Lord forever the location isn't important to me it is the one who I'm going to be in fellowship with that there's nothing that's going to separate that fellowship. Nothing is going to take us away from being with the Lord forever. Revelation 21, verse number three, the Bible says, and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle or the dwelling place of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, 
I'll make all things new. I'll make all things new. So in the study of eschatology, the last things, the end times, uh, this is my favourite subject that I wanted to start this series with. And that is when Jesus Christ comes back for his people. When Jesus Christ comes back to literally catch us up into the air and we can be with him always. Now I say that because we need to understand because just like the man at the beginning, he was so concerned that you know Jesus was coming back in 1988 and 1989 and so on and so on. Don't be caught up with the time. When is this going to happen? But just know that this will happen. And if you settle that in your heart, that will change the way you live on earth. Because you understand that, hey, I'm working for my king. One day my king is coming back for me. Amen. I'll work for my king is coming back for me. I'll continue. My king is coming back for me. Listen, we will continue to work with an upward kind of gaze, knowing that what we're doing here, yes, is important for a time, but we're preparing ourselves for what is coming in the eternity. We're preparing ourselves to meet Jesus Christ in the air. Listen, sometimes when we know there's a special meeting going on, some of you, if you're meeting your boyfriend or your girlfriend, you might put on something, you might put on some cologne or something, something, do your hair. Some people, you're going to a work meeting, you might put on some clothes. Listen, we're going to get ourselves ready to meet Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Lord of Glory. We should spend our whole entire life preparing ourselves to meet him up in the clouds. I can't wait till that day comes when he shouts the command. The voice of the archangels ring out like a mighty choir and there is a trumpet of God. I'm like, listen, drop whatever I'm doing. I'm gone to meet my saviour that's why I'm doing what I'm doing to make sure each and every one of you are also ready to meet your saviour Lord Jesus Christ don't get wrapped up in all the affairs of the world because these things are temporal you might have some physical problems going on right now yes that's for a time but prepare yourself to meet Jesus Christ up in the air don't let nothing hinder you from that journey don't let nothing pull you down from that journey or weigh you down because when you go up in the air none of those things will matter you want to make sure that you go out on the first ticket to meet Jesus Christ can you say amen in this place one of my job roles I said at the very beginning is to prepare people for that day listen if you've heard under the sound of my voice the passion that is there not because I've just read this because I believe this with all of my heart and I'm preparing my life Me and my wife were prepared. I'm preparing my children. I'm trying to prepare anyone who would hear me. Because when that day comes, hmm, when that day comes, like the Bible says, there'll be two going out into the field. One will be caught up and one will be left. So I say all of that to say, listen, we're going to be studying end times, the things that's going to, and there's many things we're going to see and expect, many things that have already happened, many things that are set to happen and so on. But I wanted to start this series with this, saying, make sure that you are prepared. That when the shout of Jesus Christ comes, the voice of the archangels are heard and the trumpet of God is blown, that you are ready and you are prepared. Let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes in this place.